This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined by David Moore. Hello, David. Hello, Kevin. How the heck are you? Doing great. Yourself? I'm doing great. You've changed scenery here. You're not in the uh, the usual. A little more stark. The... Yeah, a little more stark background. Has Cheryl put you in a closet? <laughs> she's uh, she's put me under lock and key for uh, past discretions and uh, just dr- generally boorish behavior. But yeah, well, no, I, I actually made this choice myself. Okay, all right, all right. And there well, the pictures of paintings are on the other side of the walls, not, oh, not behind okay. me. All right, all right. That's good to know. And there with uh, Evan Grant, who is uh, purloined uh, furniture from his poor mother, who was unaware that he was doing that kind of thing. Hi, Evan. Let me tell you something. My mother has been trying to get rid of this piece of furniture for God knows how long. You shouldn't talk about your father that way. I am. Um, anyway, it's a dresser that was my father's. And I, it's one of those things. It's not a valuable piece of furniture, but. Just always thought it was cool, and I'm really happy to have it in my little office. I wish people could see it. Well, you know, maybe we can investigate that. Maybe this podcast can become uh, become a uh, that kind of podcast where we a Zoomcast, Zoomcast, yeah. Because yeah. people just can't get enough of us. They they want us in 3D. Absolutely, absolutely. So I would tell everybody voices when you want to see us. Yeah, that's right. No kidding. So Evan, tell us, tell everybody what today is. Or we're celebrating because yeah, I went I went over with uh, with producer Jose. I said, uh, "Hey, producer Jose, are you familiar with uh, Edmund Fitzgerald?" And he said, "No." Jose, how old are you? Answer. Jose's left the room. He doesn't 20, care. I'm twenty nine. Twenty nine. There hasn't yeah. been a there hasn't been a major. Well, I guess that Costa Cruise line, but nobody wrote a a, a song about that that shipwreck. No. But today is the 45th anniversary of the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald um, in Lake Superior. Uh, it got caught in uh, November storm. And then Gordon Lightfoot wrote perhaps the greatest ever shipwreck song about it. I, I don't know what else is in the shipwreck, John. In a long list of shipwreck songs. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I, I'm really hoping that Gordon Lightfoot writes a song about this shipwreck. The less said about this shipwreck, the better. <laughs> Unless the shipwreck you're talking about is, and how's this for a transition, Kevin? Yeah. Your Dallas Cowboys. Oh, Dallas Cowboys. Wow. No. Now, that's, that's, that's a segue. David Moore told us today, this is a team going places. No, this I did not. No, go, I did not. It's going to finish 8-8. Eight no. Eight. No. It's going to be a Jason Garrett no. team. No. Once again. <laughs> media distorting what other members of the media actually write or say a common practice these days david can i ask you a question regarding sunday and garrett gilbert played admirably and and all of that but can i ask you a question was there ever a keeping the ship theme go ahead yes was there ever a moment sitting in the press box there where you thought i'm going to be writing about the cowboys winning this game realistically well yeah, when they were up 19 to 9 and had the ball on the four yard line, I thought uh, chances were. And, and it was fun because I said right at the time, I said, and I actually uttered it out loud that, you know, hey, just take a field goal here and play this thing out. And uh, a colleague of ours, I, I believe his name is Calvin Watkins, went, it's crazy. They need a touchdown here. You got to get a touchdown here. And of course, then the very next play was an interception. And I said, what about that touchdown now? That field goal is looking pretty good, huh? And uh, I I just thought the game, the way that game was unfolding, 
at that point, if they would have gone up 22 to nine going into the fourth um, and, and kicking off, I thought they had positioned themselves pretty well to weather the storm that they knew was going to to blow in in the fourth quarter. But uh, that turned it around right there and they weren't able to weather it. And and while it was their most encouraging performance, I'm still struck by the standpoint that people are acting like they won this game and that now the, you know, the switch has been flipped. And I, I will point out that even with like a 64-yard kickoff return and a 73-yard throwback uh, kick, you know, punt return, they still only scored 19 points. I mean, this team only had one touchdown in the game. Uh, they played, it was their best defensive game. It was their best special teams game. They were more efficient than what you had seen offensively in a while. But again, this team lost again. And if they come out of the bye week and and they don't win another game by the time Thanksgiving is is the end of the day on Thanksgiving, then this game meant nothing. But but I think what this game did, I I, I think it gave I think it gave the players confidence and fans hope. Uh, because up until a close game against Pittsburgh, there was really no hope that this team could pick up a win. Uh, the remainder of the way and no and really no rationale to say why they should if they play this way I would imagine they would win uh, a game or two or possibly even three the remainder of the way which of course Kevin you feel is the absolute worst thing that could happen absolutely um but you know here's the thing and and, and, you know I, I say that the thing about tanking in jest look there's no such thing in 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 sports as players playing less than maximum effort they have to play all the time that way. The tanking is all on coaches and management. You you shed veteran players at the at the trade deadline. You don't keep Alden Smith. You you know you you do you acquire draft picks and then you play the young guys. You get them a lot of. That's the beauty of of uh, of tanking, if we want to call it that, is that you're getting all these young guys lots of reps. And so then when you're going to be competitive the next year, they've played a lot. You know who they are. You know where you stand with those guys. You. You get a better draft position. It's just, I know there are people who wrote me after I wrote about it, the tanking column last week and said, oh, you know, not very many people, but a couple of people wrote and said, oh, this is awful. You should always try your best. It's like, yeah, the player should always try their best. You should never ask a player to, to play less than his best. And I wouldn't want to see that on a, on a football field. There's but, nothing for Garrett Gilbert to gain by losing that game. I mean, everything, he gets a start. Yeah. Everything that can go right for him, you know, is further underscored if they win that game he becomes you know he becomes a viable nfl a much more viable nfl quarterback let's put it that way no question and the, the, the thing about this cowboys team that was so disconcerting after the season started was uh, other than the turnovers and then then of course in the rash of injuries was that why is the defense so awful I and mean, why are the special teams so awful you know how can this be you know this is not the team even Let's just put aside the injuries. This is not the team that anybody was expecting. And and now now we're starting to see the team that we were expecting. You know, the, the defense is not great, but it certainly uh, is starting to come around. Uh, it's played very well the last two weeks. Special teams have played very well. Uh, now, the, the problem is, is that how far do you expect this team to go with either Garrett Gilbert or Andy Dalton at quarterback? Um, you know, the, the Bengals gave up on Andy Dalton. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to knock Andy in any way here, but for all the people who want, I, I've had, I had people writing me saying that, boy, Gary Gilbert looked really good. And, and that, and then actually said, play better than Dak. And I said, listen, his quarterback rating was 72. Uh, Dak's average quarterback rating this year is 88. You know, Dak's, a far better quarterback than either of those guys. And they were having difficulty winning any games when Dak was here. And that's because the defense and the special teams were so terrible while Dak was still healthy. Uh, he was scoring 40 points a game, you know, and now as that's what we talked about, you know, it's what David alluded to the defense played a, a lot better. And that's what kept them in this game was the defense and the special teams. Those two things, those two areas kept the Cowboys in that game. They only scored 19 points. Uh, that's not impressive in, in, you know, in the NFL. So uh, I, I think that going forward, I, I, it's very encouraging to see the team play better. It's very encouraging to, because that bodes well for next year. This is not like it's some kind of teardown. That's not what the Cowboys are. They, 
they played themselves out of this season. They lost their quarterback, who's who you can make the argument that that uh, Dak Prescott, I mean that uh, Zach Martin is the best player on the team. Uh, but but certainly Dak Prescott is you know a very valuable quarterback to have, and to lose that and think that you're gonna you're gonna really go somewhere. Uh, I, you know, the Eagles story only happens every once in a while, you know, where, where Nick Foles steps up and this team goes on to a Super Bowl. Uh, that's 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 a little bit of a fairy tale. And it doesn't start with a with a uh, one in six record either. So, um, no, two and seven now. So yeah. uh, hey, don't, don't tell him short, Evan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. So Garrett, anyway, Garrett Gilbert came in. They were two and six. I apologize. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so anyway. and again, the other thing here, let's, you know, and we're looking at it strictly from a Cowboys perspective and, and, and that has been, and that has been set by the bar being so low. Uh, let's turn this, let's flip this around the, the other side. Let's say they weren't two, uh, in six going into that game. Let's saying they, let's say they weren't a 14 and a half point underdog and no one, ex- certainly no one expected them to win and just staying close. You kind of went, oh, let's give them credit for that. Let's say that this was like a, you know, a, a three or four, a three-point game going in. And now suddenly a Dallas team that took a 19 to nine lead into the fourth quarter allowed 15 unanswered points to lose the game. What would you be saying about the Cowboys then? So I, I think you need to acknowledge what your expectations were going into that game and how how bad this season has gone and how so many people who are, who are spinning the narrative, Oh, this is, you know, this is uh, a significant game. Well, it's only significant if they come back and, and beat Minnesota and then beat Washington on Thanksgiving day. Now you, now you can split those uh, and, and win Washington, a Washington team that, that manhandled them when they met a few weeks ago. Um, but then, so what are you at that point? You're three and eight. Uh, you're still not in a good position. So um, this, I I would not attach, I would not rush to attach too much significance to the close loss to Pittsburgh, other than the fact that the trend line is getting better. This team still has not won a game without Dak Prescott. But the first game without Dak, Dak Prescott, they lost by 28. The second game, they lost by 22. The third game, they lost by 14. The fourth game, they lost by five. So the trend line is going in the proper direction, but they still haven't broken through to the win column. Yeah, and I, I think the only thing significant about a win at this point in time um, is, and I, I know Zeke Elliott said there are no moral victories, but a victory at this point would be a moral victory for them. Um, and, and, you know, if, if this team, if this team wins – Honestly, if this team wins one game the rest of the way and they happen to do it in, you know, whether it's uh, I don't I don't foresee it happening against Baltimore. Um, but if they were to do it against Baltimore, obviously, that's a win against a good quality team. Uh, if they were to do it against Cincinnati, that's a team with that, that I think has a future. If they were to do it against the Eagles, that's a team that obviously means a lot. But I, I think the only value in a win the rest of the way after after listening to Kevin last week and and really looking at the standings again, I, I, I think the, the only significance in a win is to basically say, hey, yeah, um, there's some progress being made in, in certain areas around, around the football. There's nothing to be gained in terms of trying to compete uh, or, or as bad as this division is, still consider yourself playing for the division title. There's just no use in it to me. Well, they've been very sloppy and undisciplined to this point. And, and I think that's the other thing. They looked, they looked well prepared in that Pittsburgh game. And, and I, I think that is important. I, I think you need to see a team that appears to be uh, operating efficiently. And that's the other thing you haven't seen. And that's what we're talking about, a bar being set so ridiculously low after it was set so high to go into the season. And, and it's funny because now you're talking about, you know, oh, well, uh, you know, get a better draft position. And look, that makes a huge difference. Drafting drafting in the top six to 10 of every round is a lot different than drafting in the middle or the end of every round. Everyone focuses on the first round, but it has a dramatic impact uh, rounds two, three, four, five. It really does. 
So uh, that would certainly uh, aid this team going into next season. But I, I would just point out, if you want to talk about uh, how far this team has fallen from what the emotional heights were, go back to the draft in April after the first round when they got C.D. Lamb and, and go at the end of that draft three days later when uh, – when people who followed the draft around the country were giving the Cowboys the highest grade. Uh, you know, you had a, a, a Super Bowl coach coming in. Now suddenly you had, you had an impact player that you didn't expect to take in C.D. Lamb, and you had an outstanding draft by everyone's initial uh, measurements. And go from what people thought in, in, in the organization, uh, what club officials thought the season was going to be from that moment to where they are right now emotionally. And, and that's, a, that's a devastating crash for them. It really is. And so now you're putting it all back into the draft next year. Because again, when things aren't going well, the only thing you can sell uh, fans is hope. And, and that's what, to me, that's what the Pittsburgh game was. It just gave, it just showed the, it fanned the competitive embers that were just about darkened, you know? It showed, it, it showed the fans, hey, you can, you can. Keep watching, you know? Yeah. Exactly. You can try and invest three hours on a Sunday to, to watch this team um, because it might it might play a competitive game. Um, David, what, what do you think that Mike Nolan has been able to do at this point? Because we were we were talking about the fact that, you know, he ought to be fired, you know, and, and, and not after the season right now that this this defense is so awful uh, and, and playing so poorly. Uh, and there are, you know, rumblings of things and guys out of position. And it just, it just was a, it was just chaos, uh, watching that defense to be able to play so much better the last two weeks and really probably going back three weeks there, there were signs of things happening and guys being in the right position. And, 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 you know, I, I, I kind of, you know, the run defense is the, is the major factor here and how poorly it had played and then only held the Steelers to 46 yards, uh, but uh, Jameis Smith has played so much better the last few weeks, and he was frankly terrible the first four or five games of the season. And uh, and I know that some of that has to do with the fact that the the defensive line has had a difficult time keeping offensive linemen off of the linebackers. They're getting the offensive linemen, the other teams, they're getting to the second level. You know that's not good for your linebackers. You want them to be clean so they can make plays and that kind of thing. What do you see from Mike Nolan and the defense? that has enabled them to, to make this kind of turnaround? Well, the run defense has gotten so much better. Uh, the run defense was outstanding against Pittsburgh. I mean, they really forced them into a one-dimensional team, and, and Pittsburgh is a pretty good running team. They like to run the ball. Um, you know, the, the low point for Dallas was that Washington game. It, it was a Washington team that I think was next to last in the league in rushing offense, and they just dominated Dallas on the ground. And at that point, you were saying – you know, how can they get out of this? I think that was the low point for the defense. And I think that's when the, uh, you know, how can they keep this up with Nolan? I mean, can, can he even, you know, can he make it past the bye week? Well, then they come back. And now whether you credit the Dallas defense or, or just the state of Carson Wentz's game, they did force four turnovers, uh, you know, in, in that Philadelphia game. And then they came back, and while they didn't force any turnovers against uh, Pittsburgh, played a really good game. Uh, shut down the run, uh, didn't give up a lot of big plays, uh, kept everything in front of them, uh, were physical, uh, swarmed the ball in a way you hadn't seen. Um, you know, they've shown dramatic improvement in the run game, especially in, in these last two weeks. And I think that's made it a little bit easier on the secondary. Uh, if you want to point to reasons why, um, I think Leighton Vander Esch's return makes a difference. Uh, I, I think uh, he's, um, I think he's, this is his third game back now. And, and I think you see a difference from when he first got back in there. Uh, I, I think that's a big help. I, I think that um, Don Tari Poe was really playing poorly. And even though, their eyes and their assessment told them that he had been so good at stopping the run for so long, they gave him more time than probably they should have. Um, uh, you know, Antoine Woods had been better against the run in there. So now he's getting more time in there. Um, you know, 
uh, Neville Gallimore is now playing more three technique, uh, and he had a, a pretty good game this last game. Uh, Tyron Crawford, I think another thing they did now, Tyron Crawford is doing a lot of that three technique and Neville Gallimore is in there now. Uh, he's been really, he's been really bad against the run. And, and if you look at his last game, I think he had 24 snaps. It was against, um, Pittsburgh and none were in the run game. So I think they, I think, um, cutting Dontari Poe, uh, getting Tyron Crawford out of the run game, uh, and reconfiguring it from there, they've seemed to make a, a, a dramatic improvement since then. So those are a few things, and Leighton Van Der Esch kind of rounding into form. Uh, you take those three things, uh, I think it helps. Another one real quick, I, you know, I think their safeties are playing better. I mean, Xavier Woods, I think, has always played to a certain level, but, but you see some things from Donovan Wilson. Um, you know, they had a rotation this past week, but, but I think Donovan Wilson has added a little something. So, you know, we've talked about before that if you want to improve this Cowboys defense, you can improve it up the middle. And uh, I think they're getting a better performance up the middle than they've had at any point this season. I wonder if, uh, you know, what they would have done. Uh, well, if, if they'd been winning, then there was no reason to move Don Terry Poe. But, you know, he was playing almost every down. He was playing in entire games. And then they and then, of course, when Jerry cut him, he said, yeah, he's 30 pounds overweight. And yeah, like, well. I mean, uh, he was able to play every snap. I don't know how – obviously, he wasn't playing well. Uh, it, it's all a very interesting dynamic, uh, the whole Don Terry Poe uh, era here with the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. It, it didn't go very well from a number of aspects, uh, and I think it frustrated Jerry on a number of uh, different levels. Uh, but that's uh, – you know, if you, can't, if you can't stop the run, your defense is no good. It doesn't matter what else you can do. The first thing you have to do is stop the run uh, or, or teams will just run up and down the field on you the whole game. And it doesn't matter how well you are uh, in, in the past game and, and how well you defend it. And, and that hasn't been the Cowboys strength either. So uh, to me, to see this kind of stuff happen and then to see what's happening on special teams. And, and this is interesting. And I wanted to ask you this too, David, how much do you feel the, the, the gambles that uh, that Fossil has taken in special teams coach this uh, last week, the throwback on the punt return, that type of thing. Would those things be going on if this was if this team were seven and two instead of two and seven? Yes. Uh, really? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, Fossil has always pushed the envelope there. Uh, he, he always likes to he's a very creative uh, special teams coach and, and he likes to throw some, you know, he, People always wrestle with this. You you want to save some trick plays until late in the season and big games, or, or to take in the postseason where uh, you really stun teams. But but there's also the the school of thought that, well, no, put some put some of it out there on tape uh, and show it where teams are going to have to spend their practice time doing it, and then you go into that game knowing it's no part of your game plan whatsoever. You're going to try something else. So. Um, yeah. Now, I, I do agree. I think they're more willing. You know, sometimes you get those looks in games like the throwback on the punt. You get those looks where you go, you know what, we could do it here. But if you're if you're up and you're six and two, do you really do it against Pittsburgh in that setting? You know, or do you say, uh Let's wait where we, you know, to, to another point of the season. So so I do think there's something now to be, you know, hey, for where we are, if we see it, we're going to take it. There, there's not a strategic element anymore of um, we're going to get to this throwback punt, but let's not let's not do it in this game. Let's wait until we go against a division opponent. Um, you know, so I think that's out the window. I think it's like, you know what? We, we need to show these guys that they can trust us. We need to get them to buy into what we're doing. Um, we need to get some things to work. So let's just do it right now. And I mean, what do we have to lose sort of mentality? And so, yeah, I think they're, they be, they may be more, uh, receptive or looking for more ways to push the envelope than they would if they were in the division lead at the moment. Um, but, but I think they would still be doing this with, I, I think it's in Fossil's character and I think it's in McCarthy's character. And I think those things are good because, uh, you know, 
players want to see that the coaches are doing something to help them win games. <laughs> they want to think that they're yeah. doing more than just standing on the sidelines and all right, here you guys, here you go. You know, they, they want them to be making decisions like that. You, I, I would dare say there's not a player in the league who wouldn't say, I love that. I, I, I love the fact that we're, we're going for it and we're, we're trying to make something happen out here. And because, you know, the special teams play for the Cowboys have been very poor for yes. years now. For long, uh, yes. And uh, they're, they're not, they weren't getting anything out of them at all uh, on punt returns, kick returns, nothing. I, I always felt, you know, you know, you, you can remember back uh, when they would, would have uh, Cole Beasley just basically just, just call a fair catch, you know, on a punt, you know, don't, don't even, we don't want you to try to return it. You know, we're yeah. afraid of what, what might happen if you it was do just that. a paint by the numbers. It was just, okay, eh, a punt. Okay. Just get the ball and then let's start, you know. Right. And, and it was just kind of a, a placeholder play. Uh, John Fossil does not view special teams opportunities as placeholder events. It's, uh, it, it's let's be aggressive here. Let's see where we can get. And, you know, we, we talked about those two plays, the 64-yard uh, kickoff return, and then the uh, – which, again, was different because, you know, they, they punted and had the extra yardage, and it was uh, a different sort of play. And, and uh, uh, but, but the other was the throwback, and they set it up. You know, C.J. Good, Goodwin actually faked a hamstring injury uh, to get right. players to ignore him and then took it and, and went off. But, again, you know, we didn't even talk about the, the blocked extra point. You know, yes. when was the last time the Cowboys had a block extra point? So it's not just the return game either. Uh, this team works on all facets uh, of special teams, and, and you're starting to see signs of progress there. You're starting to see signs of progress defensively. What has happened is the offense, which was the strength of this team early uh, and which was keeping it afloat and giving it a chance to win, has had a dramatic setback since Dak Prescott's injury. And, and let's face it, the, the, the player they signed to back him up has, has been out too. I mean, four quarterbacks in five games is the stretch Dallas is in right now. Uh, one last thing about the special teams. I would say that with, with the four for four on field goals, blocked kick, a big time punt return, big time kick return. That was that was the most impactful special teams game by the Cowboys th that I can remember. Yeah, yeah, certainly in recent memory. Now let's take this on the other side, and and again, that's reason for encouragement. But you just mentioned all of those things, and Dallas lost twenty four to nineteen. Right. You flipped the you flipped the field twice on special teams and took an extra point off the board, and they missed another extra point too. Right. Uh, they just they just missed the kick wide. But you took actually took one point off, the you know, kept one point off the board with the block. You flipped the field with 64 and 73 yard returns on punt return and you only got six points out of it. You know, so. Right. Um, so that that's the other way to look at this. Um, the 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 drag on this team right now is the offense. And it's going to be interesting to see because. Uh, when they come out of the bye and when they go to Minnesota for their next game, uh, Andy Dalton will be the quarterback. Uh, he'll certainly be out of COVID protocol by then, and he should be out of the concussion protocol at that point. And uh, they will turn it over to him, and, and we can see if, you know, when um, when Garrett Gilbert, when he scored on that, when he led the team to a touchdown in, in the first quarter of that game to, to put him up 10-0, they, at that, at that point, it ended a 22-possession drought with no touchdowns produced by the Dallas offense. And it was only the second touchdown in 36 possessions since Dak Prescott's season ended with the injury. Let me, so, uh, let me and, and they still only have two. You know, they still yeah. only have two touchdowns since, he's, since he went out. And they, and they played four, four full games and a quarter of another. David, let me ask you a question. What is the point? in Andy Dalton starting another game for this team? Well, the, the point is that the way they see it is um, as long as he is healthy and as long as they have even a slim chance at winning the division, he will be the quarterback. Now, I think that's going to change right very soon after Thanksgiving. You know, I, I think it's going to change – potentially with the Minnesota game. Um, you know, Dalvin Cook has 486 yards from scrimmage and six touchdowns in the last two games. We won't, you know, we, we've been talking about how this run defense looks better. 
well, Cook has 163 yards and I think 205 yards rushing in his last two games. Uh, ch- check back on how that Dallas defense run defense is looking after the Minnesota game. And Dallas is still one of the few teams in the league that hadn't won a road game this year. And, and I'm not even sure. I'm not sure what that says because there hadn't been much difference in road and home games this year uh, because of the fan restrictions a, a lot of teams are, have faced. But, um, you know, if, if Dallas loses and goes to uh, two and eight with a five game losing streak. Now you come back four days later and you play uh, Washington. I think Dalton would still be there for that. But if you lose that game and now you're two and nine, then at that point, you know that Dalton is not going to be back because you're not going to pay it back up that much again next year. You're intrigued by what Gilbert gave you. You're going to want to give him some more time just to make sure that you're comfortable with him as a backup quarterback to Dak Prescott next year. And you know what? Maybe you want to get Danucci a little bit more time, too, in the right situation. So um, I, I think I think if Philadelphia wins his next two games and Dallas loses his next two, then I, I think that um, I think you'll see them take a different approach at quarterback. I, I, I understand why they're doing what they're doing with Dalton right now. That's what they paid to do. Uh, he hadn't been out there. They want to see him get this offense righted. But if you, like I said, coming out of Thanksgiving, I, I think the complexion could be completely different. Then you have four games uh, that mean nothing other than to get a read on who you want coming back. And you're going to play Gilbert some in those games and, and maybe give Danucci spot him a little bit to see, to, to build his confidence back up. All right. So Kevin, on, on, on that front, I mean, in your mind, the, the Minnesota game, if we're if we're playing along with your philosophy of tanking and tanking's about giving guys giving young guys opportunities, how would you feel if if Dalton starts at quarterback in, instead of Gilbert? Well, I, I and and what David said is right. The, the 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 complication in all of this is that the NFC East is so awful, and and when it looks like you're not trying to win a, a division that is so awful, well, then that's a little problematic. I'm sure to Roger Goodell, it would not be happy with that. You know, uh, that you, you've got to at least make an effort here to try to, to win this. Uh, Again, if Philly loses this week, Philly had a buy, and Dallas has a buy this week. If Philly loses this week, they're still at the top of the division at what three five and one or whatever it is i mean they, they'll only have three wins dallas has two wins you can't give up on the division even though it looks ridiculous to say they're in it at two and seven they actually are if you're only one game back in the win column yeah so i think that becomes it becomes a problem here and, and that's that's the difficult thing in all of this for the cowboys going forward because uh you know i i'm, I'm all for teams being bold you know be, be bold go for it, do what you have to do. And then the flip side of that, that's also being bold. The bold is saying that we're, we're calling this season. You know, we can we can all uh, talk about winning the, the East all we want to. If we win the East, we've done that before. Who cares? We What really matters is how far into the playoffs we go. Uh, you know, do we get past a couple of rounds? Is this team, even if it wins the division, going a couple of rounds deep in the playoffs? No, there's no way this team does that. And so uh, I, I think you, there are certain things you have to do to probably keep up appearances. And I'm, I'm sure that Roger Goodell would, would frown upon and, and, and you could say, well, what do we care what Roger Goodell thinks? But you never know what, what might happen down the line and how the commissioner might rule on something. And if he felt like that, uh, that you owed him one, that maybe it wouldn't go well for you. So uh, I, I, I mean, and again, maybe I'm being the naive one here, but I, I'd have a hard time seeing how Roger Goodell would have an issue with the Cowboys starting a guy who might have a future as a backup versus a guy who is on his way out as a backup. Well, you got the, the first priority is by any league that are going to promote is to win. You got to try to do your best to win every game. Uh, and if you're, if you're disguising that a little bit better, I mean, look, it was the world's best scenario. You're, you're, backup quarterback that you're spending what was it three million dollars on he first of all he's out because of a concussion and then he's out because of covid i mean it's it's like it was seven right million to, seven yeah, million that's right <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's playing right into the cowboys hands so uh so anyway i you know going forward that's going to be a little more difficult to do i will say this um 
I have not seen anything that Andy's done. Now, listen, there was a really difficult situation he was thrust into, no question about it. The offensive line is better now. I, I, I see some people saying that, look what Gary Gilbert did, and his offensive line is no good. This is the same offensive line that Dak Prescott had now. You know, so so I, I, w- I would not, you know, give anybody any extra props. Now, the, the, when Andy got inherited the offense, the offensive line was at its absolute worst. Uh, and, and I think he is – a better uh he would obviously play better under uh the conditions that are there now i think the offensive line is stabilized a little bit although that was really crazy that tyler biotic got him you know pulled a hamstring in warm-ups i mean my gosh what else could happen to this team and well, i was, now he's going to be out three to four games yeah it was so severe he's going to be out three to four games. unbelievable so I, but i was very intrigued by what joe looney said after that uh it, it, when he when he said you know uh, so Tyler goes out, but he was still out there helping. And boy, he knows this, this playbook backwards and forwards. And he was helping me, uh, you know, down there on the sideline. And I thought, well, I, I don't know that that was a great thing for Joe to say because he's been around now forever and he's played multiple positions. I would think that Joe knows all this stuff pretty well by now. Uh, but, but at any rate, it did say a lot about Biotich. You know, I, I, I remember going into this draft, uh, or into the draft this last year and, and, uh, the, there were people who said nice things about him. First of all, he comes from Wisconsin. It, it seems like all Wisconsin offensive linemen are, are you know, going to play in the NFL. Uh, but there were people who, who weren't that high on him. And, and I think what we've seen so far anyway, or it seems to be to me, is that, A, he was hurt uh, in, in his senior year, and then people do feel like that probably hurt his draft stock. Uh, and, and, B, he's played pretty well. Uh, he's played well enough to, to – dislodge you know joe looney so uh when he's been healthy so i think that certainly has helped this draft because not only did you get the cd lamb uh who who's been everything they thought he was going to be and more even though he has had his moments the last couple of weeks where he's dropped some balls and done some things uh that, were, that aren't good but he's still been a very been a very good pickup obviously but now that biotic has played well too because that was very important that they uh, that they get that, given the fact that Connor McGovern has given them almost nothing in the last uh, year and a half. So I, I think that was really very important. Uh, all right, let's talk about uh, let's move over here to the college side real quick and talk a little bit about uh, uh, what's going on uh, with COVID. Uh, it's it hasn't impacted. And this is you know I, I guess maybe we could see this coming COVID has not impacted the NFL nearly like it has college football uh and I think that just speaks to what a college campus is all about and what uh and what kids are like and uh, and how they just throw caution to the wind and and they move on here uh so now we now we we've, we've had games postponed canceled I have a a, a a UTEP fan who writes me occasionally and I didn't even realize this I'd been keeping up he says I he said, I think we've had six games either canceled or postponed six games. Uh, so well, I mean, as we all know, El Paso is in a, yeah, you know, catastrophic situation right now. And, and the idea of college football seems so um, ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. So we, you know, and, and I thought we kind of underplayed this, uh, you know, Chuck Carlton wrote a story today talking about what's going on uh, in the sec in particular, which uh, you know, this is, you know, the football conference in college football and, uh, and, and teams are being de- are devastated left and right. Sam Pittman came down uh, with COVID, according to Arkansas officials. Uh, and now Barry Odom's a former Missouri coach and the, the defensive coordinator of, of Arkansas, who has done an unbelievable job turning around that defense. That was the, one of the worst defenses in America. And they've been really good this year. Um, I, I, I listen, uh, Sam Pittman is a, is a big guy and I'm really worried about what this means for him out there. I've seen no reports about any symptoms that he has or anything like that, but that's certainly something worth watching there. Um, but at any rate, uh, so, so now there's questions about whether A&M will be able to play its game this week, uh, at Tennessee, uh, because of uh, COVID cases there. At, on the A&M campus, uh, that, that's gonna, that's it, it somewhat in jeopardy at this point, which is really uh, interesting because A&M is just now working its way into the college football playoff talk. 
the Aggies have lost only one game. That was to Alabama. And they have positioned themselves very well in it right now. They, they're coming off a big win over South Carolina. They are ranked fifth in the country, which is the highest they've been ranked since the end of the 2012 season. Um, they uh, have really played the toughest part of their schedule. Uh, there are some, you know, they, they still have to play Auburn. They still have to play LSU. Um, but uh, they have gotten past the hardest part. And the crazy thing, the way this works out is the that part being the part with Alabama, I mean, let's, let's just call it what it is. I mean, that the hardest part is the part with Alabama. I mean, but, well, sure. And the thing is they won't have to play Alabama again. Uh, they won't play in the sec title game. Alabama is going to, uh, you know, it's going to be representing the West. Uh, and so you look at the teams that are ranked over, uh, uh, A&M right now, of course you have Alabama, uh, you have, you have Clemson, you have Notre Dame, uh, and uh, Ohio State. Well, if we look at those, I, I'm assuming that Alabama is going to win out. Uh, uh, you never know what can, what can happen, but I'm assuming that Alabama is going to win out, win out and, and get its annual appointment to the uh, CFP. Um, at some point, Alabama, I mean, I mean, Notre Dame and Clemson are going to play each other probably in the ACC title game, and they're, one of them is going to eliminate the other. Uh, even, if, even if it's uh, Notre Dame's first loss, they're not going to take an, a Notre Dame team that just lost uh, in the CFP. Uh, so one of those teams will be eliminated then. And that leaves Ohio State uh, uh, for one of the other positions. Uh, and I, I think that Ohio State is the best team in the Big Ten. I think that's probably what will happen. But, the, but there's, they're a little bit behind in their season start. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes as well. So I think that well, that's all to say that A&M is, is set up very well here. They're, they're not going to play in a conference championship game, which, you know, we know how that worked out for the Big 12 uh, when they didn't have that bonded 13th data point. Uh, but I do think the Aggies are on the cusp of something here. And the last thing they need to do is to lose this Tennessee game a game that they can certainly win uh, to pile up a few more uh, vanity points. Agreed. Yeah. I, you, you, you're going to have to get to use the vernacular. You're going to have to get as many data points as you possibly can. And, and losing that, that Tennessee game this week, there's just no other time to, it doesn't look like there's really any time to make that game up. So um, I, I, I think in some respects, if uh, the teams that are able to, to uh, kind of play it all out, they're the teams that are that are going to have an advantage. Um, Florida right now has the ability. Well, Florida is playing LSU on the twelfth of, of December. Um, that's what's scheduled. That's the game that they had lost originally. So we'll see. David, were you going to say something? No, I, I was just going to say. Well, yeah, I guess there's an issue if LSU is going to be able to play its next game now with with where they are in the in the COVID uh, protocol. But um, you know, and this gets back to and you've had the discussion on like NHL and NBA and and teams that win championships during this, and, and I think there's there's an emotional element that in some way diminishes what teams have done during this because it's like, ah, well, it's, it's not what we're accustomed to, but I, I think there's something to be said for all this uncertainty and teams still staying focused and uh, just dealing with an ever-changing landscape and leaving themselves in position uh, to, to, to play in a championship game. And it, and it's not going to be a completely fair road for anybody to get there, but but it never really is. I mean, there, there are always, you know, conference differences and, and, and that sort of thing. But it's going to be interesting to see uh, when we come out of this pandemic on the other side, if people really view these titles with asterisks or if they actually um, – or if they're get, or if they're given the full credit that they deserve for for being able to kind of uh, weather all these unexpected challenges that were thrown at them. Yeah, I think that's uh, the the uh, yes, it's a great point about uh, about that. I thought about what the, the Dodgers winning it all. Uh, does that really mean as much, you know, as it did in 1988? Uh, no, I don't think it does. I think I think it's an accomplishment. I'm not I'm not denigrating that because just what you said, the fact that you got through this COVID protocol 
and everything that goes with that. And it's made this season extremely difficult. But from a purely baseball standpoint, we want to see you play 162 games. You yeah, know? but I, I mean, since since the Dodgers won the World Series, I've not heard anybody talk about minimizing what they accomplished. And in some respects, when you add in the COVID protocols and what was involved and the fact that until the Dodgers won the World Series, they didn't do anything incredibly stupid. Um, it, the, the, the COVID situation is a major obstacle, and it is something that teams haven't had to deal with. And I, I don't know that I look at the Dodgers World Series championship with any less uh, validity now than I would any other. I, but, I you're not, know- but you're not going to look at it that way now. Uh, what you have to do is look at it two years from now, five years from now, 10 years Absolutely. from now. And that's, that's the way it'll be judged. And uh, people will look back, especially not if the Dodgers come back next year and they get in the world series again, or if they win it again next year, well, then that really helps this. That really helps this season. And look, nobody thinks that the Dodgers lucked into anything. They're the best team in baseball. I mean, you know, that, that was kind of the beauty of what happened. The, the two teams with the two best records in baseball ended up in the world series. So, so and, and the other the other complicated factor in baseball, Kevin, too, was right. You had those added rounds of playoffs, and so I mean, the Dodgers won more postseason playoff games than any team in baseball history. That's got to be factored in. Oh, it, it will. But I just think that in the long run, people will always have an asterisk by this season. It, it yeah, will always you know, have one. You know, I look at the the Braves' lone World Championship was '95, and that was again that was a serious season that was shortened by 18 games by the continuing work stoppage. And I've always looked at it with that degree of ask, with that degree of some kind of asterisk. It wasn't a 162 game season, but I think what this year has done for all of us maybe has made us change how we kind of view everything. And it will be interesting to see if, if, if how people view the Dodgers and all world, all championships that are won in this season, uh, long-term because I, I think the challenges that teams have had to have had to deal with have been far more uh challenging obviously than than they have in the past you know well I mean, there's no there's no question about that this will be very you know to get and and really and that's kind of what we were talking about the very uh, top of this part about the college football is that it's on a college football it's on a college campus you know the, you know, the COVID cases are just running through these campuses because kids are kids and they, they don't observe all the rules and the protocols you're supposed to. And so therefore this is what happens. Uh, completely different dynamics and professional because again, with a professional, you have contracts, that's your job. And like in the case of the NFL it's they reached an agreement with their players association. If you, if you, you were found to have reckless behavior, and catch COVID and you cause an outbreak on a team, your salary's at risk. Right. Uh, you, you don't have that with, with college athletes. You have many more college athletes uh, right. than, than you do on these teams. I mean, it's, uh, and they're out in the community more. There, there aren't the, the safeguards in place and, and uh, the protection. I know and this it, is gonna strike both of you as completely, completely fictional but like college behavior is so irresponsible in some places that like a team could win a big game this year and think of this like you rush think the field. fans would actually storm the field i mean what would happen if fans stormed the field this year in the time of covid yeah and, and here and, and of course and i don't want to veer too far outside or stay out of my lane on any of this but, you know, I know everybody wants to say, oh, they're kids that nothing happens to them. They're all healthy. They'll, they'll just go right through them. Yeah. Tell that to Sam Pittman. You know, the, the, these are the issues involved here. Uh, it, it's not always about you. I know we always want to think that it's not always about you. Maybe it's about somebody else. And uh, this is uh, very concerning uh, to me and, uh, um, and I think should be to everybody about what are the possibilities that loom out there and, uh Frankly, it was one of the reasons why I was not in favor of, of college football resuming uh, because you just knew there was no way that you would be able to keep these kids all safe. There was just no way to do that. Too many uh, players, too, too loose of an environment. Um, yeah. yeah, it is. And, and, you know, I have a daughter who's uh, still in college. She's a senior at Arkansas. And, 
Um, she's on the Palm Squad. There, there are lots, you know, other. She's had a, one of the girls in her the house there. There's five five girls all on the Palm Squad. One of one of two of those girls have had it. You know, they've had to quarantine those girls in the house. You know, it's just, it's just been a, a constant uh, at, at at their on their campus and on every campus in in America. Uh, this has just been the craziest uh, season ever. Um, there's there's never been anything like it, and hopefully there'll never be anything like it again. These darn kids. These darn kids. What the heck? <laughs> uh, so anyway, I think that's going to do it for our podcast this week. Uh, we uh, we appreciate you listening in, and we will be talking again next week. We won't have any new updates on the Cowboys at that point because they want to play. Uh, so they can a- still get some people injured during the bye week. Yeah, they I mean, well, yeah, is out four to six with like, uh, you know, now Biotis is out. We'll, we'll see. Something will happen during the bye week. That's I'm true. Sure. And I mean, college football could be canceled by the time we get back. <laughs> right. and, and, and the Rangers being movers and shakers that they are. I mean, they could have signed seven, eight free agents by that point. In time. Yeah. Well, and then this, we do have this coming up. You know, next week is the NBA draft and the Mavericks are making noise about uh, maybe wanting to trade up into the uh, top 10 or 12 or so. Uh, they've got a not only their first pick, but they've got the first, they, they got their first round pick. They have the first pick of the second round. Uh, so they, uh, they got that going for them. And, you know, we used, it used to be with, uh, with Mark Cuban and Donnie Nelson, we never paid any attention to the draft because they, they didn't pay any attention to the draft. Uh, but it worked out for them pretty good a couple of years ago. Uh, so we're now- in draft central now with the Mavericks being movers and shakers in the draft and the Rangers having the second pick in the draft and, and the Cowboys, Cowboys. Right now holding number – what is it, number three right now that they, they, they've got? Or uh, I think they're closer to like six, five or six, yeah. yeah. Four to six range. Yeah, yeah um, I think that's right. I was really pulling for the Jets last night. They were really looking good. <laughs> they were really looking good, backing up, backing up into the Cowboys, you know, as the Cowboys were trundling along toward that first pick. Well, everybody, make sure and tune in next week. I'll, I'll spend the rest of the week researching what um, what disasters happened uh, on November 17th in the past so that we can talk about what hit songs were written about them. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing like a, a hit song about a disaster. So maybe we should write one about the Cowboys. So anyway, uh, at any rate, that'll do it for me and for everybody in here and everybody out there. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.